Hello and welcome to Gin and Spooks. I'm Laura. I'm Emma. And what are we talking about today, Emma? Cryptids. Yes. I'm so excited for this one, honestly. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what are you drinking tonight, Emma? Um, I'm drinking tea yeah in, in my nice. in my baby yoda mug that's very cute i am drinking water from my <laughs> water bottle <laughs> we did have um loads of cocktails planned that were based on cryptids but actually i'm now working away so i'm stuck in a yeah. hotel room water it is whoop, whoop. fun stay Shack hydrated yeah man like when you're a kid, you always think alcohol is the grown-up drink, and then when you're an adult, you realise that water is the grown-up drink. One hundred percent. Like I wish I could drink fizzy pop and not be dehydrated. Yep. But he, and I have one sip, and like my mouth is dry as fuck. Yep. So same. Also, I would have some Pepsi Max Cherry, but it is too close to bedtime for me to have any caffeine <laughs> because uh, yes, old lady. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Did you want to go first or shall I go first? Um, I'm happy to go first. Let's cool. try and read my writing as always. Awesome. Good luck. I feel like we need to do an episode where I write something and then I have to read it out straight away. Yeah. <laughs> as like a challenge. Yeah. Um, right. So I did Mothman. <gasps> yeah. Good old, old Muffy Man. That's going to be his name. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so a little bit of context around the legend of Mothman. So in West Virginia, Mountain Mama. Mama. <laughs> um, so in West Virginia, the Mothman is a humanoid creature reportedly seen in the Point Pleasant area from November the 15th, 1966 to December 15th, 1967. The first newspaper report was published in the Point Pleasant Register, dated November 16th, 1966, titled Couple See Man-Sized Bird, dot, 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 creature, dot, 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 something. Oh, the suspense of those dot, dot, dots. Dot, dot, dot. That's, I just think <laughs> Mamma Mia. Yes, yes. Um, the National Press soon picked up the reports and helped spread the story across the United States. The source of legend is believed to have originated from sightings of out-of-migration sandhill cranes or herons. So on November the 15th, 1966, two young couples from Point Pleasant, Roger and Linda. Great names. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're just going to go Roger and Linda because I can't read their last name. Um, (laughs) And Steve and Mary (laughs) told police they had seen a large white creature whose eyes glowed red standing at the side of the road near the TNT area, the site of a former World War II munitions plant. Linda described it as a slender, muscular man. Those muscles. Look at all those muscles. (laughs) About (laughs) a slender, muscular man, about seven feet tall, with white wings, and said that she was unable to discern its face due to the hypnotic effect of its eyes. distressed the witnesses drove away at speed and said that the creature flew after their car making a screeching sound it pursued them as far as point pleasant city limit this is the skin of a killer bella (laughs) it's just like (laughs) it's just a man with wings 
Oh, why do I crack myself up? Um, during the next few days, other people reported similar sightings after local newspapers reported it. Two volunteer firemen who saw, saw it, who said <laughs> it was a large bird with wet red eyes. Mason County Sheriff George Johnson commit, commented that he believed the sightings were due to an unusually large heron he termed a shite poke. A what? A shite poke. A shite poke. Yeah, S-H-I-T-E-P-O-K-E. And part of me is thinking that maybe that's pronounced like shitty poke or something. Shitty poke. Shitty pokey. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know. I should have checked how to pronounce that, actually. Oh, well. But we'll say shite poke for now. Shite poke. (laughs) (laughs) Poke him in the shiter. Anyway... Contractor Newell Partridge told Johnson that when he aimed a flashlight at a creature in a nearby field, its eyes glowed like bicycle reflectors. Additionally, he blamed buzzing noises from his television set and the disappearance of his German shepherd dog on the creature. Wildlife biologist Robert L. Smith at West Virginia University told reporters that descriptions and sightings all fit for the Sandhill crane, a large American crane almost as tall as a man with a seven-foot wingspan, featuring circles of reddish colouring around the eyes. The bird may have wandered out of its migration route and therefore was unrecognised at first because it was not native to this region. That's kind of logical, but also that's a fucking huge bird if people think it's actually a muscly man. I'm also googling shite poke. Oh yeah, they just look like cranes. I'll post a picture on our... Google says it is actually pronounced shite poke. Is it actually any other number of birds of the heron family? Yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway, so due to the popularity of the Batman TV series at the time, the fictional superhero Batman and his rogues gallery were predominantly featured in the public eye, while the villain, Killer Moth, Killer Moth, did not appear in the show. The comic book influence of both him and Batman is believed by some to have influenced the coinage of the name Mothman in the local Mm. newspapers. Following the December 15th, 1967 collapse of the Silver Bridge and the death of 46 people, the incident gave rise to legend and connected the Mothman sightings to the bridge collapse. Um, According to a Georgian newspaper, Russian ufologists claim that Mothman sightings in Moscow foreshadowed the 1959 Russian apartment bombings. Um, And the Mothman prophecies is a major motion picture loosely based on the 1975 book of the same name by John Keel. The Mothman prophecies? Yeah. Oh, we need to watch it. (laughs) I'll watch it and, like, record my... like my response and it'll be like what the fuck is this yeah. shit um in 2016 um wchs tv published a photo purported to be of mothman taken by an anonymous man while driving on route two in mason county science writer sharon a hill proposed that the photo showed a bird perhaps an owl owl for some reason <laughs> i couldn't pronounce that um <laughs> Uh, a bird perhaps an owl carrying a frog or snake away and wrote that there is zero reason to suspect it is the mothman as described in legend 
there are too too many reasonable explanations. So analysis based on the Mothman, folklorist John Harold notes that Mothman has been widely covered in the popular press. Some claiming sightings connected with UFOs and others claiming that a military storage site was Mothman's home. Some <laughs> <laughs> fucking hobo is just yeah. using like old, old like military equipment well, as his home. You try getting a good credit score and a mortgage when you're <laughs> a fucking moth. <laughs> I know, yeah. Cost of living and all that. <laughs> Um, John notes that the recountings of the 1966 to 67 Mothman reports usually state that at least 100 people saw Mothman with many more afraid to report their sightings, but observed that written sources for such stories consisted of children's books or sen- sensationalised or undocumented accounts that failed to quote identifiable persons. He also found elements in common among many Mothman reports and much older folktales, suggesting that something real may have triggered this, the scares and become woven with existing lore. He also re- records anecdotal tales of Mothman supportedly attacking the roofs of parked cars occupied by teenagers. <laughs> That's very specific. Conversely, Joe, Joe Nichol says that a number of hoaxes followed the publicity generated by the original reports such as group such as a group of construction workers who tied flashlights to helium balloons nickel attributes the mothman stories to sightings of barred owl about barn owls suggesting that the mothman's glowing eyes were actually red eye effect caused from the reflection of light from flashlights or other bright light sources benjamin radford points out that the only report of glowing red eyes was secondhand that of Shirley Hensley quoting her father Mm. according to University of Chicago psychologist David A. Gallio sightings of Mothman in Chicago during 2017 published on the website of self-described researcher Lance (laughs) Strickler are a selective sample Galileo explains that he's not sampling random people and asking if they saw the Mothman. He's just counting the number of people that voluntarily come forward to repeat to report a sighting. According to Galileo, people more likely to visit a paranormal-centric website like Stickless might also be inclined to believe in and therefore witness the existence of a Mothman. Yeah, so I get that. pseudoscience adherents claim that Mothman was an alien a supernatural manifestation or a previously unknown species of animal. In his 1975 book, Keel claimed that Point Pleasant residents experienced precognitions, including premonitions of the collapse of the Silver Bridge, UFO sightings, visits from inhuman or threatening men in black and other phenomena. Ooh, it's so and weird, I, I isn't need it? To read yeah. I mean, have you watched that uh, episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved? They, yeah. they go and visit. Yeah. I think they go visit Point Pleasant and then like they're like um, Mothman obsessed. Yeah, because there's I think there's like a little Mothman themed diner and then there's a statue, isn't there, as well? Of him in yeah. Point Pleasant. Good old Moffy Man. Yeah. So what do you think Mothman is? I mean, looking at that picture of that sandhill crane, probably crane. Yeah. Maybe because it was in the late 60s that they were like so off high off drugs 
which is a possibility that they yeah. mistook a crane for like and were hallucinating. Could be. Or like it could be it's by an old munitions factory, so maybe the crane is got something wrong with it because it's been living in a munitions factory the whole time and there's probably chemicals yeah. and probably been eating gunpowder yeah, or something. Could be like radiation, it could have mutated for all we know. Yeah. Um, but I think it's most likely it was a bird. There's no way yeah. in hell that someone's turned around and gone, yeah, he's like seven foot, he's got muscles, he's dark, he's tall, he's handsome, like, you're just describing all my fictional boyfriends, <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. Like, no way in hell. Maybe she, they just saw Reese from Akatar. He's got wings. Oh, imagine. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, but he's got black wings, hasn't he? Black boys. Yeah, but still. Black boys are back on my... Yeah, do you I think, think it's... Do you think it's real? I think it could be a bird, like you say. Like, even... You can get some pretty big owls, and you owls actually have really long legs. You just can't see them, so... They do. Have you seen that video where he like lifts yeah. the fur off and he's like, yeah, they're like, they're like that big and they're like, oh yeah, God, I chunky. Wanna... I would they're like chunky. a cat Chunky. It could be an owl or, um, I'm as you'll see when I start talking about Bigfoot, I think the possibility that there are like species we haven't discovered yet are out there and there could be a whole like colony of mothmen and they just saw that one because he went a bit psycho. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's like a secret community of like moth yep. men. Yeah. Moth babies, but... moth women. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say moth willies? I said women. <laughs> oh. But moth men, surely he's got a moth willy. Oh my God. That, that's a thought in my head that I don't want. Yeah, I regret saying that. But anyway. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, no, he's probably a bird. Because there What's haven't been any recent sightings. Over the hill? Is it, is a, it a Mothman? <laughs> is it a Mothman? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a jingle for this episode. Oh my god, yes. Okay. Like, instead of like the intro music that we normally have, it's What's that coming over the hill? Is it a Mothman? Is it a Mothman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just a fine introduction. Please. Do you want to hear me geek out about Bigfoot now? Go on then. So I've got I've got quite a lot of information here, but then I also feel like I didn't finish it, even though I thought I did. There's some gaps, so you might have to bear with me. But do you think do you think Bigfoot's real? No, um, and the reason being is you know Dan, mm-hmm. he's got like enormously big feet, so I feel like you know there are people out there who have big feet, and. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those. We just managed to come across someone who had suspiciously mm. big feet. Yeah, they just met Dan. Maybe it was Dan. <laughs> Maybe it Dan, was if Dan. If you're listening to this episode, hi Dan. I'm really sorry for outing you. <laughs> Were your big feet? <laughs> well, right. So I always thought I kind of got that people believed in ghosts and that kind of stuff. I was like, yeah, I get it. But then every time anyone said they believed in Bigfoot, I was like, no. <laughs> but are you we... saying you believe in Bigfoot? Yeah, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Because, okay. oh, be- right? Because 
scientists discover new species of other animals every single day. So is it really out of this world that there could be a whole species of like Bigfoots living out there that just haven't been discovered yet? Why is that harder to believe than fucking ghosts? You make a decent point. However, like I'm sure we would have had like visibility of some like furry ass man with big feet. We have. <laughs> Walking we have. Around. We have. But people just don't believe it because they think it's mental. But literally, yeah, let me let me show you some shit. I've got some good links to send you so you can watch videos and stuff too. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> You're just sat here filled with regret letting me do Bigfoot, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, we we said that we do another episode on another episode on cryptids, so I think we should do that one straight after this one. Yeah, it's a good idea. Do a like, this is the part one, and then we'll research because I've got an idea for my next one. Um, cool. So that'll be good. I've got another. I've got an idea for my next one as well. Anyway, Bigfoot, let's go, motherfucker. So, Bigfoot is from North America. So he's also known as Sasquatch. That's the official term. <laughs> um, <don't>, stop. <laughs> the official term. Official term. Like that's that. his science. It's the scientific Latin name, like everybody has. No, it's not Latin. I'm kidding. Um, okay, so he's most often described as a large, muscular, bipedal, ape-like creature. His height range is approximately 1.8 to 2.7 meters. So that's like six to nine feet tall. Some have even been described as being 10 to 15 feet tall. So that's like tall as fuck. <laughs> um, that's okay. like tall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, some reports say that they have a human-like face. And so a police report in 1971 in Oregon, USA, stated that multiple people saw an, saw an overgrown ape but could not bring themselves to shoot it because it looked too human. Um, they've got broad shoulders, no visible neck, long arms. Um, some people say that their eyes glow in the dark, but eye shine is not present in humans or apes, so the glowing eyes could be any other animal, to be fair. Um, Michael Rugg, owner of the Bigfoot Discovery Museum in Northern Carolina, claims that Bigfoot smells like a skunk that had rolled around in dead animals and had hung around the garbage pits. How does he even know what that smells like? True too that is so oddly specific yeah it is really specific isn't it so enormous footprints that have been found often measure 24 inches long and eight inches wide for reference a uk size seven is just over nine inches long so size seven's not a small foot it's probably a medium foot i've got size seven feet me and me too that's why i picked size seven (laughs) so our feet are like just about nine inches long just a tiny bit over but these big footprints are 24 inches long which is over twice the length of our foot bigfoot has a few cousins around the world so in the himalayas and asia he's known as the yeti or the abominable snow abominable snowman in australia it's known as a yowie um some stories say the yowie is an ape-like hominid others say he's more of a like feral primitive human being living living in the outback but Aboriginal legend mentions the creature. So this is dating back hundreds of, maybe even thousands of years. They've got Yowies in their culture. In Mongolia, there's something called the Almas, which is believed to be more human than ape. And some researchers believe they may be a living population of an earlier human ancestor that has somehow survived extinction. 
in Ohio, which I know is in the USA, but still, they have something called the Grassman. Um, this is supposedly one specific creature rather than like a whole species. And it's thought to be a Bigfoot living in the farmland of Ohio rather in the forest regions of America. Um, so Ohio and Western Pennsylvania in particular are excellent Bigfoot habitats with plenty of farms, water sources, game and easy access to the Appalachian mountain range. Sightings and stories of the Grassman go back hundreds of years and continue to this day. In Sumatra, they've got something called the Orang Pendek, which is like a bipedal ape that lives in the jungle. It's only a few feet tall, so it'd be a pygmy version of Bigfoot. But again, it's not like a known primate. It's more of a rumour. That's, that's not the word I want, but you know what I mean. In the jungles of South America, there's something called the Mapingori. And they it's described as something similar to a Sasquatch. However, other versions of the Mapingori take tail, paint it as a far stranger creature with massive claws, backward-facing feet, a bad smell and a mouth on its stomach. So weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last Why one. Why a in... mouth on the stomach? I know. I suppose less effort when you're reaching to eat. You just put it in straight in your tummy. Oh, um, that went right through me. And then the last one. In the forest of China, there's rumour of a creature called the Yeren. So this hails from the general area of the world where the Gigantopithecus, which is an ancient giant ape, is believed to have gone extinct. This beast shares a lot in common with the Mon Mongolian Almas, also called the Chinese Wild Man. Reports of this creature go back for generations. Again, like Sasquatch in North America and Yowie in Australia, stories often contain a touch of mysticism, making it tough to work out if it's an actual flesh and blood creature or some kind of spiritual being dreamed up by local cultures. So, tell me how a mythological creature, such as Bigfoot, is prevalent in all of these cultures back when, before, like, everyone talked to each other. Like, I'm cave painting times. I'm surprised you have a PowerPoint presentation to, like, tell me... Oh, my me God, I should have done. To, like, take me for a journey where you, like, convince me he's real. I mean, hopefully I'm going to do that anyway, but I absolutely <laughs> should have done this as a PowerPoint. You're right. Many indigenous cultures across North America include tales of mysterious hair-covered creatures living in forests. According to anthropologist David Daigling, Daigling, these legends existed long before contemporary reports of Bigfoot. The details within these tales vary regionally, so like different tribes across, the, across North America had slightly different stories. However, they're all very similar. There is a site called Painted Rock on the Tool River Indian Reservation in Central California, where you can find engravings that are estimated to be between 500 and 1,000 years old. These show a huge figure that the locals call the Hairy Man. So these are cave paintings that are like a 1,000 years old of Bigfoot. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm... <laughs> yeah. 16th century Spanish explorers and Mexican settlers in California told tales of Los Vigilantes Oscuros, or dark watchers, which are large creatures that were said to stalk their camps at night. In 1721, in the region that is now in a region that is now part of Mississippi, a French priest was living with the local tribe and reported stories of hairy creatures in the forest known to scream loudly and steal livestock. In 1924, a group of gold prospectors in Washington State allegedly had a violent encounter with several ape men. This area is now known as Ape Canyon. Okay. You're very passionate about this. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I'm so excited about fucking Bigfoot. You're like, right? you I'm like, believe. I need, I need you to believe in this. 
Okay. <laughs> so we watched this a series that's on Discovery Plus called Expedition Bigfoot. And this is where my love for Bigfoot came from because I started watching it as a joke. And then I was actually, by the end, I was like, oh my God, he's real. So I'd recommend that TV series to everybody. The Chehalis people, so these indigenous people from the lower mainland region of British Columbia, Canada, they tell stories about creatures called Sasuke, which is a shape-shifting creature that protects the forest. The name Sasquatch is the anglicised version of Sasuke and comes from like Saskets, it's spelled roughly translating to hairy man in the Halkumeyalam language. So, the origins of the word Bigfoot. In 1958, a bulldozer operator called Jerry Crew was working for a logging company in Humboldt County, California, when he found a huge set of human-like footprints sunk deep within the mud. They were approximately 16 inches in size. He informed his co-workers, many of whom claimed to have seen similar tracks on previous job sites in the forest, as well as reporting weird incidents such as an oil drum weighing 200 kilos having been moved without explanation. The logging company men soon started using the word Bigfoot to describe the mysterious culprit. Jerry Crew got in touch with the reporter of the Humboldt Times, who, after interviewing lumber workers, wrote an article about the footprints using the term Bigfoot. The story spread rapidly, reaching papers such as the New York Times and Los Angeles Times, and as a result, the term Bigfoot became the widespread term for a large, unknown creature. So there was a thing that said in 2002, the family of Jerry Crew's deceased co-worker, Ray Wallace, stated that their father had been secretly making the large footprints with carved wooden feet and that he was responsible for the tracks. Despite this statement, um, Humboldt County and Willow Creek are still considered by some to be the Bigfoot capital of the world. So, yeah, some guy's family, who's some guy who is dead, his family says that he was the one making the footprints in the mud, but there's no explanation as to who's moved the 200 kilogram oil drum. Definitely Bigfoot. Anyway. <laughs> You're like, so, it's so Bigfoot. It's obviously Bigfoot. Uh, okay, so I've got a little YouTube link for you to watch now. Describe to me no, what you're seeing. He's got a backpack on him. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm seeing. I need to play that again. Hang on. <laughs> Why has he got a backpack on him? Let me see. Oh my god, it does look like he's got a backpack. Can you see it though? Yeah, but it look it generally looks like he's got a backpack on on him, and then he's had enough. He's had a hard hard day's work, and it's just like going home. I've had enough of this shit. Yeah, it does. But it kind of looks like someone in a really hairy gorilla suit, doesn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but that this was 1967. Um, okay. Planet of the Apes came out, I think, a few years later, and the apes in Planet of the Apes look shit compared to whatever that was. Um, yeah. And they've had some, like, costume experts have analysed it and said there's no way that in 1967 you could get a costume like that, especially not one out in the middle of the forest. Anyway, I'm going to tell you the story of this footage so the piece of footage that I've just shown you, I've put a link to it on the blog. So if anyone wants to go and watch it, it's there. Mm-hmm. That piece of footage is known as the Patterson-Gimlin film. It's thought to be the first film evidence of Bigfoot. It was shot in 1967 in California, alongside a place called Bluff Creek, which is just off the Klamath River. So 
Here is the story of Patterson and Gimlin. In the early afternoon of Friday, October 20th, 1967, Patterson and Gimlin were riding upstream on horseback along the east bank of Bluff Creek. At some time between 1.15 and 1.40pm, they came to an overturned tree with a large root system at a turn in the creek. It was almost as high as a room. When they rounded it, there was a log jam left. They saw a log jam left over from flooding in the area, and then right behind it, they spotted the figure. At first, it was either crouching beside the creek to their left, or standing there on the opposite bank. Gimlin later described himself as in a mild state of shock after first seeing the figure. Patterson initially estimated its height at about six feet six inches to seven feet, seven foot, and later raised his estimate to about seven foot six inches which is 2.29 metres. Some later analysts, anthropologist Grover Krantz among them, have suggested that Patterson's later estimate was about one foot too tall, because Gimlin said it was about six foot. So basically it's around six foot tall, this creature. It looks bigger in the film though, I think. So the film shows what Patterson and Gimlin claimed was a large, hairy, bipedal, ape-like figure with short, silvery brown or black hair, covering most of its body, including its prominent breasts. They think it's a female because it had boobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way you said that, because it had boobs. Because it had boobs. Um, the figure in the film generally matches the descriptions of Bigfoot offered by others who claim to have seen one. Patterson estimated the that he was about 25 foot away from the creature at his closest, he said that his horse reared upon sensing the figure and he spent about 20 seconds getting out of the saddle, controlling his horse, getting round to its other side and getting his camera from a saddlebag before he could run towards the figure whilst operating his camera. He yelled, cover me, to Gimlin, meaning to get the gun out. Uh, Gimlin crossed the creek on horseback after Patterson had run well beyond it, riding on a path somewhat to the left of Patterson's and somewhat beyond his position. Um, they estimate that he came within 60 to 90 feet of the creature then, rifle in hand, he dismounted, but he did not point his rifle at the creature because it was too human-like. The figure had walked away from them to a distance of about 120 feet before Patterson began to run after it. The resulting film is initially quite shaky until he gets to about 80 feet from the figure. So the the link is kind of to the YouTube video. It's, it's, they've stabilised it so you can see it a bit better. At that point, the figure glanced over its right shoulder at the men and Patterson fell to his knees. To researcher John Green, Patterson would later characterise the creature's expression as one of contempt and disgust. You know how it is when the umpire tells you one more word and you're out of the game. That's the way it felt. That is a direct quote. (laughs) (laughs) Shortly after this point, the steady middle portion of the film begins, containing the famous look back frame 352. That's the bit that I've shown you. Patterson said it turned a total of, I think, three times, the other times therefore being before the film began or while he was running with his finger off the recording trigger. Shortly after glancing over its shoulder on film, the creature disappears behind a grove of trees for 14 seconds and then reappears in the film's final 15 seconds after Patterson's moved to a better vantage point and then they lose it because it, the reel of film runs out annoyingly. So they tried to follow in horseback, keeping their distance until it disappeared around a bend in the road 300 yards away. Patterson called him back at that point, feeling vulnerable on foot without a rifle because he feared the creature's mate might approach. The entire encounter lasted less than two minutes. Uh, so at that point, they rounded up the horses, going the opposite direction downstream 
And then he gets us another roll of film from his saddlebag and he filmed the tracks. And then they track the creature for either one mile or three miles, but they lost it in heavy undergrowth. They went to their campsite three miles south, picked up plaster, returned to the initial site, measured the creature's footprint and made two plaster casts, one of each of one right, one left. And like the plaster casts are huge. So they nicknamed the creature Patty. Okay. <laughs> Patty. Like I say, she's got boobs, so they think it's a woman. <laughs> um, okay, so according to Patterson and Gimlin, they were the only witnesses to their brief encounter with what they claimed was a Sasquatch. Their statements agree in general, but author Greg Long notes a number of inconsistencies. So this is where people have like looked in the film and stuff. They offered somewhat different sequences in describing how they and the horses reacted upon seeing the creature. Patterson, in particular, increased his estimates of the creature's size and subsequent retellings. Uh, in a different context, Long argues these discrepancies would probably be considered minor, but given the extraordinary claims made by the pair, any apparent disagreements in perception or memory are worth noticing. But the film's defenders have responded by saying that commercially motivated hoaxes would have got their stories straight. So basically, because Patterson and Gimlin were so excited, they kept their stories kept getting mixed up a bit, but if they were people that are involved in a hoax surely they'd have one story and stick to it the whole way through so the fact that they're kind of making it sound bigger and getting all excited about it makes it actually seem more real rather than inconsistent yeah a more serious objection concerns the film's timeline this is important because kodachrome 2 movie film as far as known could only be developed by a lab containing a specific machine and the few west coast labs known to possess one did not do developing over weekends um, but Patterson's brother-in-law claims not to remember where he took the film for development or where he picked it up. All of the problems with the timeline disappear if the film is shot a few days or hours beforehand. If that is the case, one has to wonder what other details of the story are wrong. The film's defenders retort that although the time window was tight, it was doable. So basically people are saying there's not enough time for all of that to happen, but everyone else is like, well, there is. So what do you think about that film? It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know because, I don't know, like, to me, it's like, you know, someone's clearly just, like, for, for shits and gigs. Yeah. It's just got into a suit. It's just walking around yeah. in the woods. And but someone like, so happens to have caught it on camera. I just think it's a bit too coincidental. But you couldn't get suits like that in 1967. Not true. that well done. Or... If you could, that it would be too expensive to be wandering around in the middle of the forest. In yeah, like I am all up for like believing in like paranormal, supernatural stuff. But I think in this case, I'm like I yeah, definitely I've got to see it to believe it kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think with yeah. like Mothman, it's just so obviously a bird. Yes, like and so, I was you know whoever saw it was like. Hallucinating, yeah. But with Bigfoot, I don't know. I think I would. I'd like to experience it myself. It's like the Loch Ness monster, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. It well, lucky for you, I've still got more to go. <laughs> All of that was just about that piece of footage. I've got a title here on my thing that says footprints, but I haven't got anything written underneath it. But I know a bit about footprints. So obviously, human feet mm-hmm. not actually that big. Loads of footprints that have been found in the deep deep depths of the forest are way way bigger than human feet a lot of these uh footprints as well have what's called a pressure ridge in the middle 
of them and it's something that humans don't have so these footprints are huge they look human Mm. they're huge and then they have this extra ridge in the middle now it's something that chimpanzees and other primates do have and i think it's to help them grip onto trees and climb and stuff so their feet can bend a lot better in the middle they've got that ridge there um yeah so footprints with this ridge have been found in north america um there are no known primates in north america primates such as apes and chimpanzees are the only ones that have this footprint there are none known that live in north america so how are these footprints in north america I just dropped you. I'm so sorry. Uh, next, Bigfoot calls. Are you gonna do? Yeah, gonna do an impression. Yeah, and see if it works on you. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not actually gonna do one. I'm gonna send you another link to a video. Okay. Uh, this this video is not very long, but there's some talking before. But I've managed to get the sound out so that I can actually put it in our episode. May 2015, a local horticulturalist is recording himself during a routine mushroom hunt in the woods of northern Illinois. The man is startled by a strange and scary sound seemingly coming from nearby. It's a long drawn out howl that lasts about nine seconds and certainly sounds like an animal of some kind. The mushroom hunter pans his camera back and forth to see if he can spot anything, but sees nothing. <laughs> it just sounds like that the Bigfoot has had enough of its life. And it's, it's just, just like, like yelled, yelled to no end. Mood. Mood. <laughs> like, ah, like really <laughs> Yeah. But <laughs> going on for like 30 seconds. It's had a really bad day and it's just going rah. He's really stressed <laughs> at work. His car's broke down. The battery's yeah. dead. He's got yeah. no money. <laughs> like I'd be screaming too. Yeah. Maybe we should start doing that actually. Let's go have a Bigfoot moment in the forest and just go and scream. I um 100% want to just go to like a top of like a hill or a mountain and just yell. Yeah, and just <laughs> yell my frustrations away. Maybe that's all Bigfoot is actually. It's just people are just so sick of their life they walk on top of a mountain and scream. Probably, I won't be surprised. No, I believe that actually. Okay, alleged vocalizations such as howl, screams, moans, grunts, whistles, and even a form of a uh, language have been reported and recorded. Some of these alleged vocalization recordings have been analyzed by individuals such as retired U.S. Navy cryptologic linguist Scott Nelson. He analyzed audio recordings from the early 1970s said to be recorded in the Sierra Nevada mountains, dubbed the Sierra Sounds. And his comment on these Sierra Sounds was, it's definitely a language, it's definitely not human in origin, and it could not have been faked. A guy called Les Stroud has spoken of a strange vocalization he heard in the wilderness whilst filming Survivor Man. Um, and he said it states he he said it sounded primate in origin. The majority of mainstream scientists maintain that the source of sounds often attribute, attributed to Bigfoot are either hoaxes, anthropomorphization, or likely misidentified and produced by known animals such as an owl, a wolf, a coyote, and a fox. So some scientists have said it could be other animals, but some other professionals have said they're definitely not any known animal. And there's actually a language has been recorded as well, rather than just screams. 
Imagine though, you're just going out for a walk, collecting your little mushrooms in the forest, and then you hear that noise. I'm not going to lie, if I heard that noise, I'm shitting myself. Absolutely. Whether you believed in Bigfoot or not. I'm not standing there and going, ooh, what was that? Let's go investigate. No, I'm yeeting myself out of there. Yes. (laughs) Gives you chills. Okay, the next bit is about tree structures. Now. Oh my God. You actually went into full detail on your life. Tree structures. (laughs) Yeah, because they're a huge thing. So, like (laughs) I said... I didn't really believe in Bigfoot. Then I've watched Expedi- Expedition Bigfoot as a bit of a joke. And now I'm fucking obsessed. <laughs> I'd recommend... How many sections after this one? Just one. After. Gotcha. We've just got two sections. Tree structures and DNA. Okay. And maybe some geeking out about Expedition Bigfoot. I've got, I can do that for eight, for hours. Um. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Tree structures are structures made out of trees. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> No, so basically they're structures made out of branches that look unusual compared to the surrounding area could not have been made purely by branches like breaking and falling or trees falling. The branches are often twisted around each other in a way that could only be done by a creature with opposable thumbs um, because they do them in intricate patterns and stuff. Many Bigfoot researchers accept tree structures as common signs of Bigfoot habitation. No one is sure what they symbolise. It could be a way of marking territory. It could be a mating ritual. It could be markers for like nests or food or just a warning to stay away. Uh, many tree structures could be the course of nature. Uh, in some cases, deep in the forest, like miles and miles off tra- trails and paths, tree structures are sighted and are very odd in relation to the natural environment. While these types of structures could be left over from a storm or even an old structure designed for a tarp or primitive hut, potentially left behind from a tribe or hunters, the size and sheer amount of effort for such a large structure doesn't make sense. If this was the work of a survivalist or a shelter, there are many easier ways to construct this type of dwelling. So basically, on Expedition Bigfoot, they keep thinking they see tree structures and sometimes I'm like, no, these branches have just fallen off trees and landed in a cross. Because like, they'll be like, branches crossed over on the path that they're trying to walk on like i'm talking in the air some of them though like the trees can't have fallen that way because one branch will be like that and then another branch will be under that branch but over the next branch that's also wrapped around the other branch and it's like trees just wouldn't fall that way because if Mm, there's too many it's really hard to describe unless you see it but like if these trees had all fallen, you'd be able to work out which one had fallen first, wouldn't you? Because of the way they're all stacked. But in these tree structures, they're all wrapped around each other too much. Um, so they couldn't just be branches that have fallen. And like I said, only creatures with opposable thumbs could do that. And raccoons don't have opposable thumbs. I don't think bears do either. So No, I think we and chimpanzees are the only ones with opposable thumbs. Yeah. But... My cats also can, you know, Rufus can open doors. Open the fucking door when it's closed, Laura. That's clever. Like, like, twist the handle. I'm like, Do you have twists you or like up and down? Twist. If it's like, well, when I say closed, I mean like, it's like the tiniest thing. And then he's like, oh, yeah. he uses his paw and shapes it into a hand and goes like that. Hoppers does that. But we've got handles that just go down. And if you pick him up, he'll try and push the handle down to get in the kitchen. He obviously can't reach because he's a tiny thing. Evil genius, I'm telling you. Do you ever remember that advert? I think it was a milk advert 
where it was basically the tagline was like if cats ever developed opposable thumbs it would be over for all of us and just had cats clicking because they had opposable thumbs and they were undoing all the milk cartons yeah like there's some blooming 1960s gangster yeah literally like bloody west side story (laughs) anyway yeah so tree structures they are things that could not happen naturally so it's thought that bigfoot use them to like mark the edge of their territory or mark give themselves little pointers in the forest as to like oh we live down here or stay away from my food that kind of thing speaking of nests on expedition bigfoot they come across Mm -hmm. countless tree structures but there's one moment where they come across these giant nests that they're not like bears don't use that kind of nest they're like these huge things and there's like a family of them on different levels so there's like obviously a like lookout nest so that someone can look out whilst the others are sleeping and then these fucking huge nests it's really weird you need to watch it honestly where do you watch it it's on discovery plus or travel channel i don't know you could probably find it on youtube though expedition bigfoot all right i'm I'm gonna put it on tonight all right i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt right i'm gonna watch it and I'll keep you up to date on my journey. Please. And yeah, Expedition Bigfoot. Okay. Because one of, so basically Expedition Bigfoot, there's um a guy who is a survivalist. So he's really good at surviving, um, like a Bear Grylls type person, but not as showbiz. Then there's a Bigfoot, mm. a guy that just loves Bigfoot. Then there's a doctor. So Dr. Maria Mayer. She is a primatologist, so she specialises in primates and she's out there in the forests looking for Bigfoot with them. Um, so, like, she's a, she's a fucking doctor in fi- and she finds and discovers new species of primates really, really regularly. And she's out there, like, okay. this is this nesting habit is from, like, is similar of the so-and-so ape or whatever. Um, so this is my last chunk now. uh expedition bigfoot have found many of these tree structures over the course of their expeditions they take what is called environmental samples from the soil and trees around this area and send it off for dna testing at the ucla california environmental dna program so this dna program they have software um that does what's called metabar coding that's where it matches up all the dna sequences that they were able to detect in this sample and tries to cross-reference them with the thousands of genomes that have already been discovered and published. So basically it's taking this DNA and seeing if any traces of it match any of the known ones we've found already. Um, So it's pretty common that they find human DNA when doing this because humans have been like basically fucking everywhere. But these samples that Expedition Bigfoot sent to this um, DNA program not only did they find human DNA, but they also found DNA from other primates, like other non-human primates. The higher the detection, the more likelihood that that organism was in the area. There's a, sp- a specific species of chimpanzee that in the sample from the tree structure area provided by Expedition Bigfoot, it showed 3,000 reads of this gene. So there are no known primates in North America, and they found over 3,000 readings of one of the primate genuses, genuses, genus, genes, in this <laughs> in this DNA sample that Expedition Bigfoot sent off, 
that right so i wasn't 100 sure if i believed in bigfoot and they were just, i thought they were just on some wild expedition and then all of yeah. a sudden all of a sudden dr maria mayer primatologist was like there are no known primates in north america and i was like science has proven it science <laughs> has proven shock absolutely <laughs> shock. I, I can't say genes or say genus <laughs> yeah <laughs> shut up it's like we say in leapers instead of yeah leapers <laughs> yeah so that's why i believe in bigfoot because footprints have been found with the ridge dna has been okay. found primate dna has been found in north america where there are no known primates living um there's also certain parts of forests that the crew from expedition bigfoot are not allowed into because they are owned by the government like and it's like hmm what does the government do in there are they just hiding bigfoot um there's thousands and thousands of like i was gonna say listener stories but eyewitnesses of bigfoot from people that live in the areas there's all sorts of different calls that you can hear on expedition bigfoot as well their cameras get trashed but you can't because they put up trail cams to catch wildlife going by and the cameras just get trashed and the memory cards get taken and completely destroyed so that they can't see the photos on them like someone with opposable thumbs would have to get that memory card out and destroy it like that so it could be the government but also it could be bigfoot yeah they just don't want to be All seen they're like friends are like winding them up while they sleep. All that. but yeah but no it's i definitely I, yeah i didn't really believe in bigfoot much but after watching this series and then obviously doing this research it's kind of like well it's a bit weird that they found primate DNA in an area that doesn't have any known primates. And it just makes more sense that uh, there's a undiscovered species living in the... Because the forests in America are huge. The national parks are huge. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really out of this world to imagine that there's some things living there that we've got no fucking clue. The amount of people that disappear in those national parks as well, that deserves an episode of its own. Freaky shit Very goes true. on in there. Very true. I mean, for all we know, it could be like an ape fucked a woman and they've had like a <laughs> yeah, a hairy child. And then just kept breeding, yeah. Could be. <clears throat> it could be a government experiment gone wrong. It could be. It absolutely could be. But I'm going to watch Expedition Bigfoot. I, I really still won't did. believe it even after no. then, but it'll be fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, I hope you do. Like, there's a couple of series of it, so it's quite a lot to watch, and quite a lot of it is just watching these people run around in the forest at night <laughs> and sleeping in yeah, the rain I'm, and stuff. I'm all up for that. I'm but, like, I watch, um, you know, Sam and Colby on yes. YouTube. Like, yeah, I, I will yeah. watch anything. So yeah, um, yeah. But I love how this, like, episode kind of turned into you trying to convince me to believe in Bigfoot. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to try and convince you of a different cryptid. Cryptid? Wait. Yeah, cryptid. cryptid? Yeah. I don't know why. In my head, that sounded really wrong. Um, I'm going to convince you of another one in part two. Next. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've already decided, but it depends if we've picked the same one. We probably won't. I'll let if you obviously after this recording, if you let me know who you've got and I'll yeah. just pick a different one. Because you let me do well, Bigfoot, then. which was obviously the right decision because look how fucking excited I am that I got <laughs> to tell you about Bigfoot. 
No, I've enjoyed it though. Um, I feel like we, we kind of already know the answer, but who would you rather meet? Would you rather meet Mothman or, or Bigfoot? I kind of, see, I would be very interested to meet Mothman, to know if Mothman was real. But also, I think I really need to meet Bigfoot. Because <laughs> I'm I like still, to you need, to, did you say Bigfoot? Yeah, Bigfoot. Yeah. I think Mothman, if he, because in my head, I picture like an actual moth and I'm scared of moths. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, it's like Mothra, like from Godzilla. I'm not, yes, like no. she's cute and all that, but I ain't going up to her face. No. Um, um I also yeah, I definitely would be Bigfoot Bigfoot. Yeah. Because I also think the Bothman is just a bird. Yeah, one hundred percent. Was because it's, it's probably dead by now. But you don't say that. I'm so you sorry. Birds are prehistoric, you know. True. Wait, or is that reptiles or is that both? I think aren't birds and dinosaurs related? Yes. And we only um, we don't actually know what dinosaurs look like. We've just kind of created the images yeah. of them based on their skeletons well the and... velociraptors um were actually they had feathers yeah they were like big chickens mm-hmm. big vicious bitey chickens. chickens yeah um but we, we do have living dinosaurs now we have um crocodiles yeah any and sort me. of big I feel like a dinosaur. but yeah I'd, I'd like i think i would prefer to to meet bigfoot i think I think it would be um, more revolutionary than just meeting Mothman because Mothman's quite a an obscure little cryptid and then Bigfoot, everyone's heard of Bigfoot. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. And I do love the Mothman story though. Bigfoot as well. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should make a slogan on our one of our t-shirt designs to say, I saw Bigfoot and all I got was his lousy t-shirt. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's the Latin of the, of the, the episode bigfoot's real and mothman's a bird <laughs> don't take chugs chug, drugs oh my god chugs don't take chugs kids yeah don't take don't, da- don't take drugs wow you almost struggled saying that now i know i did <laughs> i did <laughs> um thank you for listening to this week's episode where it was mostly me ranting ranting talking about bigfoot um please head over to our instagram and which is at gin and spooks and followers and we will do a photo dump of all the things we've talked about i'm also going to put everything we've talked about and a lot more on our blog which is gin and um so head over there if you want to see more and if you have any cocktail spooky cocktails or scary stories send them our way to gin and spooks at gmail.com or you can send us a direct message on instagram because that's our main uh, social media platform that we mm-hmm. use we also have a tiktok account so give us a follow on there um, we do you might see more of mine and laura's face yeah moving forward while i'm a grandma try and figure it out <laughs> trying to figure out the technology uh, um, um but yeah give us a follow spread the word we have twitter too which is gin and spooks pod yeah we also have yeah. facebook but we don't really use that that much no that's like the most neglected out of them all yeah um, give us a follow somewhere or everywhere send us a spooky scary story we might might read them out on um one of our future episodes yeah <laughs> 
Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> What's that coming over the hill? Is it a Mothman? Is it a Mothman? Yes. <laughs>